so thankful that you're about what you're about. So thank you for sharing all that. I'm, I'm curious to know, one of the things that you listed up, what is the next step? You know, some of us as Indigenous peoples might know what that is, especially our elders or others, um, people who are in the know, people who are doing this work day to day. Um, but for maybe some of the rest of us who are caught up in the other ways in which we live or do work that aren't so closely connected to this work with our biosphere and our biodiversity and our climate change and all the other movements that are necessary, what are some of those pathways that you would like for us to be about? So um, this is a, a message I share with caution, right? Because I don't want to romanticize indigeneity in a harmful way. And I also um, don't want to promote the indigenization of, of everything <laughs> and everyone. Um, but I think it's one of the things, because this is a question we get a lot, particularly from non-Indigenous allies, like, how can I come and like, you know, help fight for your people and your lands and your waters? And I'm, I, I'm like, well, where are you Indigenous to? You know, like, where are your homelands? And um, homelands even in itself can be a triggering thing because so many of our indigenous peoples have been forcefully displaced and removed or had their homelands completely developed beyond recognition right or changed beyond recognition and so one of the other ways that I define it is as where do the stars know your name and by that I mean where is that place that moment when you have that first memory of looking up to the stars and recognizing that you're the speck in the universe and where is that experience rooted and how can you use that to reclaim your connection as a human being living on this earth tied to an interdependent and interconnected relationships to everything from the stars in our universe to the soil under your feet and start that journey there because all of our places need to be protected right? We are, our indigenous peoples don't need saviors coming in. We really need more people to just leave us alone and let us do our thing. But what we do need is we need relatives that are willing and able to stand in defense of all sacred life and to do it in a way that is meaningful, do it in a way that is authentic and that's genuine to their real histories, uh, to where they're connected from, to where they come from. And this is what we do for our own peoples through our ceremonies. And those ceremonies, that's what make them so unique and, and why it's become so criminal to, to take and dissect little pieces and, and try to appropriate it in different ways, as much as it may make you feel good to sage off or to go into sweat, when you don't understand the histories of where those practices come from and why they are done and when they are done, then you're, you're not honoring it the way that you think you are. And I think that um, there, everyone is capable, like just like how we've created those ceremonies, everyone is capable of tapping into that knowledge that exists around our world when you're, when you're able to really fully grasp and understand that sacredness that you're responsible for. And, and so with, when we talk about what these next steps are, I mean, there's a lot of like quote unquote practical steps, right? What we're, what we're taught and to believe is practical in terms of like creating policies to further protect and safeguard the rights of indigenous peoples, um, 
creating um, conservation practices that center right relationship and values of reciprocity when it comes to uh, stewarding biodiversity and protecting biodiversity. There are definitely those practical steps, but a lot of that can't be fully actualized or realized if it is not understood that part of the problem that has created all of the challenges that we're faced with today is that there's a particular type of worldview and value system that dominates what we think is possible and what we think is right. And if we're not able to tap into something deeper, into a deeper connection and a deeper imagination based on where we're connected to, to place, then we're gonna continue to be limited and our solutions and our understanding by that dominant worldview. And so this is why it becomes so important for indigenous peoples to be careful about things like establishing rights of nature when we have inherently unjust and deeply flawed legal systems. And we have inherently an unjust and deeply flawed education systems that are creating the lawyers to fight in those legal systems. And we have deeply flawed <laughs> and inherently unjust economic systems that you know, prevent access to those education systems yeah. and, and go so on and so on, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so it, it's not a quick fix like that. And I think that that's partly what scares people, but that's also part of like the beauty of of it is that it's not a quick fix we can be patient with ourselves we each have a responsibility to to take on that journey to to take on that path of self-discovery and when we do that and we invest in right relationship with those around us and with with other forms of sacred life you know non-human life that's how we win absolutely absolutely man i just i'm just loving this I know a little bit about you so far, just in our short time of knowing each other, and I know the community you come from, and I know the challenges that are happening, even extra challenges that are happening to us and most of our communities, but yours in particular, and yet you come across with just this wonderful positivity and good spirit and good medicine for me tonight. I'm just curious, you know, how might, you know, despite all the things that you've listed that we're challenged by, you're also listening on things that are possibility and, and opportunities for healing. Uh, how do you stay yourself and how might you encourage others to stay in a good way? Yeah, this is a very important question. And I think the simplest answer is by understanding that we can't do this alone and really taking as much time as we do working and fighting uh, to build and feed the relationships around us that sustain us mm -hmm. and, and doing it with intention, you know, like, yeah. I mean, just, just this week, I've had to lean on so many of my loved ones and, and my extended family and my, my earth made family. Um, because, you know, because of those losses, uh, just last week, we lost a very important traditional knowledge holder that mm. is, very significant to my family um, mm -hmm. and, and to my life and to my journey in particular. He was um, the late Fillmore Blue House. Like he was the brother of an elder mentor that we lost um, two years ago. Wow. And he, he by himself <laughs> had 
work to mentor and just transform and guide and shape so many young people mm-hmm. in our cultural ways and our traditions all across our, our nation, but also mm-hmm. across other tribal nations. He created the first peacemaking system on the mm-hmm. Navajo Nation, and he took that model to other indigenous tribes around the world. And he was just always so open and so loving with his with sharing his knowledge and breathing life into our movement and breathing mm-hmm. life and confidence into each of us based mm-hmm. on like our cultural values. Um, that I think that he, not only did he did he shape so much of, of and what what we come to know and understand about our our culture and in this very modern and very complex world, um, highly technological world as well. Um, but he also modeled what it meant to live in right relationship. And I think that that was very important. So his loss was immense, um, Mm -hmm. but being able to reach out and talk to people and see the testimony of how much he has shaped and how much knowledge he was able to leave behind, it shifted our focus from like, like the grieving of everything that we felt was lost um, back inward, the way that he taught us to remember that everything that everything that is still present, everything that is still real, and everything that is still possible, and to work from that from that place of possibility. Mm-hmm. But you know, it's not easy. It's not easy mm-hmm. at all. I think a lot of us we we burn out. We mm-hmm. we experience deep depression. We experience a lot of the heartache and the heartbreak that is common on front lines of these battles. Um, and that's why, and like, I don't know, in both those moments, those moments of very of deep pain um, becomes another opportunity to learn the extent of our strength, to remember that not only do we inherit the resiliency of our ancestors, but we also inherit their, their tremendous love and their tremendous power of, of believing and hoping for a, a different way, a different future, different outcomes. Um, and we're able to really tap into that and harness that when things are sometimes the hardest. And in the times when we don't, that's when we need to lean on the, our relationships around us to, to help us in that way. Mm-hmm. It's, it's about, we're not here to save the earth, right? We're here to stop messing it up for sure. And we're here to reestablish and remember our, our deep connection to our mother and what a gift that that is. But we're actually here to really grow and to evolve as a species mm-hmm. and to remember and restore our connection to each other and to rebuild, rebuild our own ecosystem, the ecosystem that sustains us as human communities. Um, so that it's back in balance with the natural ecosystems that exist around us. And we're perfectly capable of doing that. For everything that we have done wrong, we are capable of creating a solution to heal that, to address it, to take responsibility for it, and to create a new way. And that, and that's what gives me hope. And that's what keeps driving me.